help teach, reach, empower, and serve people in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist as a church. But folks, actually, if you think about it, that is why we exist as individual Christians. You've heard me say this many, many times. Why, when we got saved, didn't God just take us to heaven right then and there? We've given our life to Him. We know we've got a home in heaven. Why did He leave us here? Why didn't He take us to heaven? You know, there's only two things we can do on this earth that we can't do in heaven. One is witness, because there won't be any witnessing in heaven. There'll be a lot of testifying in heaven. And the other is sin. And the Bible tells us that there's no sin in heaven. So certainly God didn't leave us on this earth to sin. So He must have left us on this earth, if you will, to testify, to be a witness to a lost and dying world. Yes, we worship Him. Yes, we follow Him. Yes, we build a relationship with Him. But He leaves us here for more than that. He leaves us here so that we can be His witnesses. We read that in in Matthew chapter 28. You shall be my witnesses. So God's left us here because He's got to work for all of us as individuals and as a church. And I, I just want to take what we've got in our vision statement here and go over it this morning so that we can remember why God's called us into a relationship with Him and why God has called us to this particular church family. First of all, we're to love. And we read about this right here. Jesus said, you know, that that we're to love each other as He's loved us. We're to love each other. We're to love folks within the family. Galatians 6.10 tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are in the household of faith. And see, the sad thing is we live in a day and age where we've got a lot of Sunday morning saints. People will come into the church, they'll worship, they'll, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Well, I'm not doing too good. Well, let me pray for you. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Amen. The pastor's done. Let's go. And then we go on with life. And if we have troubles, we either deal with it on our own or we deal with it with people in the world. Where God has called us to love each other and to live with each other. The, the, the buzzword these days is the living community. You know, any believer, any brother or sister in Christ that, that comes to this church should feel that they could call on any other person in our church at any time of the day or night. And like I say so many times, you can call me 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If you call at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, Tammy will be more than happy to answer the phone. But, but, you know, we need to be available. We, we, love, we show each other we love each other by serving each other, by bearing one another's burdens, by, by, by taking care of each other. If you get a call or a letter or a visit from somebody at Victory and you've not been in church in a while, it's not so we can beat you over the head. It's so we can see, is anything going on in your life that we can help you with? And guys, we're getting to the point now where it can't all be done by me. I praise the Lord for the folks that are on our grow team because they, they do that on, on Sunday evenings because as, as, as much as I try, sometimes people slip through the cracks. Do I do it purposely? Absolutely not. But it happens. But on our, our grow team, try to, make up, try to make up for that. And guess what? You don't have to be on a grow team to love somebody else in the church. I was sharing Wednesday night at our prayer meeting 
we don't realize what effect we have on somebody with something as simple as a handshake or a hug. I was telling them Wednesday night that I had uh, watched a video about a pastor talking about he had a, a young lady, I believe it was, come into his office. And she just bared her heart out to him. She said, Pastor, I came, came to church last Sunday and I was coming to church for the last time that I was going to go home and I was going to end my life. Life had just gotten that bad to me. But she said, I came to church that Sunday morning and Sister Susie Q or whoever it was came up to me and hugged me, told me she loved me, asked me how I was doing. She said, I told her great though I wasn't doing great, but just the fact that I, I had that human contact, that somebody came to me and, and hugged me and, and told me that they loved me, that was, she said, Pastor, I don't remember what you preached Sunday, but I remember her doing that. And that was all it took for me to decide I'm not going to do what I had intended on doing. We're called to love each other. Having said that, we need to know what's going on in your lives so that we can help. You know, I've seen folks over the years that would that praise the Lord haven't happened haven't haven't had it happen here, but at other churches where people would kind of play the well, I'm gonna, and I know this because they told me when it was all said and done, they play the well, I'm gonna skip church game to see how long it takes before the pastor gives me a call or comes by. And I got out there and visited with them. They told me the exact reason that they that they that they did it, and you know what? I was blunt with them. I said, you know what? I don't play games. I don't expect me to do this again. It might have sounded harsh, might have been harsh, but what they were doing wasn't right either. We're called to love one another within the family of God. We're also called to take this love to folks outside the church. The love we have for one another should naturally overflow outside the church. It should naturally overflow to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers. It should be a logical progression of what we believe and the love we have for Christ. You know, my boys, older boys, have been going through some, some, some struggles recently, some, some testings and trials and tribulations. And you know, I, I, Tammy and I got the two oldest ones together one day and, and, and we told them, you, you know... This is a good opportunity for you guys to open your eyes and see that God's got a plan for your life, that God, God can take something that might not be too good and make something good out of it, but, but more so to help you see that the life that we live, meaning Tammy and myself, we don't live that life because I'm the pastor, because she's the pastor's wife. We live that life because it's a natural outflowing of our relationship with Jesus. And it's that natural outflowing of, at least in my, my situation, of that love for Jesus, that relationship with Jesus that called me to go into the ministry. I don't, I, I'm not what I am because of what I do. I do what I do because of who I am. Because who is in me? And that's the way it should be with us. We, we love one another. We should love one another whether they're in the church or out of the church. Because the love of Jesus Christ is just flowing out of us. And, and we do it because we can't help. We're compelled, as Paul said. So we're called to love people. We're called to reach people. We're called to reach people by how do we reach people? By proclaiming the gospel. Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. We read about that. That's the Great Commission. I won't read that, but you can go back there. You shall be my disciples. 
I'm sorry, you shall be my witnesses. We're called to reach people by proclaiming the gospel. We're called to reach people by living the gospel. James 1.22 tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, what is naturally in us should be coming out of us. So that when we leave the four walls of this church, what we say we believe in here is going to be lived out out there as a natural outflow, as a natural outpouring, as a natural progression, as a natural way of life. I was sharing with the, with the, the, the youth group this morning in, in Sunday school about training. You guys that are in the military, guys and gals that have been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. You constantly, constantly train. Why do you train? Anybody? Practice makes perfect, but for what reason? Why do we practice certain scenarios in the military? So that when the real thing happens, you're exactly right. We naturally, we know what to do. It's instinct. We don't have to think about it. That's the way we, we should be living our lives. You know, when we live the gospel, God's word should be so ingrained in us, the love of Jesus Christ should be so ingrained in us that it naturally comes out because we've been trained. We've been trained in Sunday school, we've been trained in worship service, we've been trained in Bible studies, we've been trained in our time at home by ourselves praying and being in the word. Not so that we can hold it to ourselves, but so that we can, if you will, be trained so that when we get out into the world, it's natural. You know, we, we talk about, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's, we, we talk about, we see that back in Deuteronomy where, where Moses told them, you shall teach your children as you go out and as you come in. We reach by proclaiming the gospel. We reach by living the gospel. It should be a natural outpouring. And we reach... By loving as Christ loved. Again in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And back in, in chapter 13, verse 34, you don't have to turn that, but you can write it down. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Excuse me. And I believe that this is a church that does a good job of reaching people because we genuinely love people. And it'll be eight years in December. I've only visited with one person that 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 told me they 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 didn't like the reception they got, and that was because they thought it was too over. The, I'm pastor, I'm not one of those touchy feeling touchy feely type folks. But I came to your church and people were saying hi, people were hugging me, people were shaking my hand. I just don't do that. You know, one person out of eight years that hey, that's not my cup of tea. But the vast, vast majority, 99.9% .9 of the people that come through these doors, whether they stay at Victory or not, say that they got the sense that they were really genuinely loved by being here. So we love people. We reach people by proclaiming the gospel, living the gospel, loving as Jesus loved. We, we are also called to teach people. We're called to educate and to, and to mature people. And in, 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 in Matthew chapter 28... We see that. I thought I had it marked, but Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen, and verse twenty. 
Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. If we're making disciples, that means we're teaching. Then in verse 20, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. We're called to educate and mature people in the Lord. Yes, we come to Sunday school to fellowship. We come to worship service to worship. But we also come to Sunday school to learn. We, we come to worship service to learn. We come to be educated so that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord, so that we can learn more about how He would have us to live, how we're to handle certain situations. We're called to teach to prepare the next generation. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 and 11, verse 19 Moses wrote, You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We're called to teach our children, but not just our children, but all who come under our roofs, whether they come under the roof of our home or they come under the roof of our church. We're called to prepare the next generation. And folks, we're in a lot of danger here because we're, we're, we're raising a generation... And we're living in a generation of biblical illiterates. And I'm not saying I'm the Bible scholar I need to be. You know, I could do a better job of memorizing Bible verses, but let me, let me just say this about that. You can have all the Bible verses in the world memorized, but if you're not shown the love of Jesus Christ, it didn't do you better good to memorize them. But we, we need to be educated, especially this younger generation, because they are being bombarded by so much today. And I know I used to say, well, they're, they're being exposed to the same thing that we were exposed to when we were kids. It can't be that bad. Well, you know what? I've learned over the years it is. Yes, we're being exposed to the same things, but they're being exposed to it on so many levels, and it is so intense. I mean, when we were kids starting out, we may have seen it in the movies, on TV, three stations, you know. If you went to see your grandparents, you're always the one that got stuck with the rabbit ears and the tinfoil. At least I was. So the picture would come through. You know, radio, TV, maybe movies and some books. But look at what they're bombarded by today. You know, 600 and some channels on the TV. Internet. Smartphones. Computer. Well, I said Internet. You know, even in school these days, they're being bombarded with things. Yes, it's the same things, because Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, but it's going with more intensity. I mean, I never thought the day would come where I would read in the newspaper somebody offering a $10,000 reward if they could prove that Tim Tebow isn't a virgin, and somebody else offering a $10,000 reward to the woman that could take away Tim Tebow's virginity. That's how bad society has gotten today. You take a stand for Jesus, you take a stand for biblical principles, and look at what and I'm not siding with the Democrats or the Republicans, but if anybody watched the Democratic convention a couple of weeks ago, did you see the people standing when the resolution they wanted to put God back in the Democratic platform? Did you see the people that were standing there waving their arms? And yelling and screaming, no, because they didn't want any mention of God in their platform? What is the world coming to? And then when we see what took place this weekend, I think at last count, there's over 21 countries where they've got people protesting the United States. They've got people protesting Christianity. Christianity. 
That is why it is so important for us to be teaching this next generation. Because I tell you what, you guys, all you young people, and maybe some of you older younger people, y'all are going to have some tests that you're going to have to endure that we could only imagine. I may be lucky and make it out of this earth without ever having to go to jail for speaking my beliefs, but I can guarantee you this next generation coming up, there's going to come a day where if you're bold enough to speak your belief anywhere in public, you're going to wind up in jail. You're going to wind up fined. You're going to wind up losing your job. And that's why it's so important for us to be educating and teaching now. Because we need to be able to, to, to impart to them the power and the strength they're going to need to stand. Because it's going to be a whole lot tougher for them than what, it, than what it's been for us. We're called to love. We're called to reach. We're called to teach. We're called to, to be empowered by allowing God's Spirit to empower us. Why? So that we can share the Gospel with confidence. When the days come when, when your back's up against the wall and, 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 and the satanic forces, and guys, that's what it is. Because it's not the Democrats, it's not the Republicans, it's, it's, it's not the Arabs, it's not the Muslims, it's Satan. The Bible tells us in, in, in Ephesians that this is all a spiritual battle. What we need to teach so that we can, and love and reach so that we can empower them to look to God's Holy Spirit so that when their back is up against the wall and Satan's attacking them in ways that they've never been attacked before, they can stand boldly in Christ. Acts 4.13 we read, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. What had happened was Peter and John had been preaching the Gospel. They got the religious leaders basically threw them in the religious jail, the religion jail, and got them out. And in their mock trial, much like it was with Jesus, they said, We forbid you to teach in this man's name anymore. But they stood boldly, said, We're going to obey God and not men. But because of the way they conducted themselves in that situation, even the religious leaders acknowledged something different about them. The religious leaders acknowledged they had been with Jesus. Now keep in mind, these weren't Ed, we're talking Peter and John here. One was a fisherman. I don't know what John did other than, than lay around eating. Because that's really about all they, we, we read about him at least up until that point. You know, he wrote the Gospel of John and the three epistles. But they were uneducated men. But they had the Holy Spirit, the power of the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit working in them and through them to such an extent that the people could see they had been with Jesus. Folks, as we live out our daily lives, can people, tell, can people see something different about us? Can people tell that we've been with Jesus by the way we live, we live out our lives? But we want to be empowered by God's Holy Spirit so that we can share with confidence. So that also so that we can serve with confidence. You've heard me say this before. God doesn't care as much about ability as He does availability. We're reaching a point in our church right now where, where we're beginning to have needs that we don't have people to take care of those needs. In Sunday school, teen kid, a couple other areas. 
And lots of times we'll ask people, and they'll say, well, you know what, I just don't think I'm qualified to teach. Or I don't think I'm qualified to do this, or I'm not qualified to do that. But listen, if, if we rely on God's Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is going to give us the power so that we can serve wherever it is. In a teaching spot, in a singing spot, in a spot outside the church that, that, that I don't even know about. But as we say, Lord, here I am, use me, God's going to empower us to have confidence, the confidence to serve. I might not know what I'm doing, but by golly, I'm going to do it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength because I believe God's calling me to do it and God's going to help me do it along the way. He's either going to give me supernaturally the knowledge and the talents I need to do it or He's going to bring people alongside me to mentor me and to show me. We're called to empower people so we can share with confidence, serve with confidence, and live in confidence. So many folks try to live the Christian life, but they, but they live it in a spirit of fear and timidity because they're really not sure. When I think this is going to happen, I put my faith in this, you know, but I really won't know till I die. Or I'm not going to share or, or the gospel with somebody because what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Or what if they say no? You know what all we're called to do is, is present the gospel. It's up to somebody else, God's Holy Spirit, to draw the person to God and they, they, they get saved. But we, we want to empower people so that we can live with confidence. Second Timothy 2.12 For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom, whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed to Him until that day. That's a hymn. Some of y'all might be familiar with that one. For I know whom I have believed. That's all I'll do for that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to, to share with confidence, serve with confidence, live with confidence. And we are called uh, as the body of Christ as we love and reach and teach to do all these things to empower people. Again, that old commercial I shared last week for the, for the, the shampoo. Well, what if I told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to add. We're called to multiply. And we do that by empowering people. Love, reach, teach, empower. And then finally, we're called to serve. Each and every person that hears my voice, whether you're a member of the, of the Victory family or not, are called to serve God in some way, shape, or form. Might not be through the church. Might not be a formal ministry. But we're all called to serve God in some way, shape, or fashion. God, as a matter of fact, has given all of us at the time of salvation at least one gift. He's given us at least one gift, but He's given all of us different gifts. Some of us that He's given the same gifts, we still, they're still slightly different because God shapes them in accordance to our personality. But we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4-5, through 5, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. God called my pastor to full-time ministry, vocational ministry. God called me to full-time vocational ministry. I am a lot like my pastor. The few times he's been up here, I've heard several of y'all have told me, well, I can see where you learned 
you know, how you learn to, to, to do what you do. I'm a lot like my pastor, but yet at the same time, I do some things differently than my pastor because of the personality that God's given. Not because he's doing anything wrong, but because I've learned because of my personality, because of who God made me to be as an individual, there are some things that I'm going to do a little bit differently, even though we've got the same gifts. He was... He answered the call of the ministry under Jim Wilson. The evangelist has been here. He does a lot of things like Jim Wilson does. But some things are different because of who, who he is. Jim Wilson answered the call to his uncle Billy. Billy Graham does a lot of things like Dr. Graham did. But yet he still does some things differently. Not because they were done wrong, but because of his personality. God gives us all different gifts. He gives some of us the same gifts. But even in, if, if this makes sense, the sameness of the gift, there are still subtle differences because of a personality makeup. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way God created us. I'm going to reach people that my pastor might not reach. You guys are going to reach people that I might not reach because of the way God de developed us. We're called to serve. He's given us at least one gift. We're called to use that gift. In Romans 12, 16, we read, having then gifts differing according to the, the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then we're called not only to serve, but we're called to live a life of servanthood. It's to be part of who we are, not just something we do on the side as I was talking about earlier. Mark 10, Jesus Himself said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. We're called to imitate Jesus Christ. He came to serve. We're called to serve. He came to give His life. We're called to give our lives. Not necessarily by dying a martyr's death, but by giving our lives to serving Jesus Christ. Yes, I do this for a living to pay the bills, but this is who I am. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And everything I do should come out of that relationship with Jesus, that desire to show people the love of Jesus, to be a servant of Jesus Christ and to give myself up because it's not about me, it's about Him. It's not about my comfort. It's about seeing people coming into His kingdom. We're called to love people. We're called to reach people. We're called to teach people. We're called to empower people. And we're called to serve people. All in the name of Jesus Christ. My question is, are we doing that this morning? Are we doing it as individuals? Are we doing it as a church family? And I believe we are doing it as a church family. Because we've seen, especially the last couple months, how God's been blessing. But you know what? There's always room for improvement. But who are we when we walk out of these doors? Are we doing all these things for God's glory to see, to see people come to Jesus, to show people the love of Christ, to plant seeds? And I guess my deeper question is, are you able to do these things? And what I'm getting at is this, is... If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can be doing all the right things, but it's not going to amount to a hill of beans. Because if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, you're doing all these things, if you will, as a religion, as deeds, as acts, as works, that you're hoping will impress God enough so that God's going to let you into heaven. Folks, I've been in, in the ministry now for 
This is 92. 15 years. Full-time ministry, 15 years. And you know what? If I get to heaven and I don't know Jesus Christ, and I stand in front of God, and I say, God, look at what I did for you. I gave my, I gave my life to preaching, to teaching, to mentoring, to discipling people. You know what He's going to tell me? Get away from me because I never knew you. Because if I don't know Jesus Christ, I'm doing all these things hoping that my good deeds are going to outweigh my bad deeds. And when I get to heaven, the scale is going to be tilted towards the good and God's going to say, come on down. But it doesn't work like that. Jesus Himself said, in that day, many are going to come to Me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in Your name? Didn't we do this in Your name? And Jesus said, I'm going to tell them, depart from Me for I never knew You. Because it was all about religion. It was all about trying to do enough to earn heaven. It was about trying to do enough to earn God's favor so that God says, come on up, you're, you're, you're okay. Folks, we can never, ever, ever do enough good to gain God's favor and God say, come on up on your own. That is the whole purpose for Jesus Christ coming to this earth. Jesus came to do something we couldn't do. Jesus is the only way we can come to God. He died on the cross. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Jesus came to take our punishment, to take our death. He shed His blood to cover our sins. And He did all that to make a way for us so that if we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, if we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus, God looks at us and He sees His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of doing good things. It's a matter of acknowledging the fact that we're a sinner. That means we've done things to violate God's Word. We recognize that and we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for that. I repent of that. Jesus, will You come into my life and forgive me of my sins and will You become my Lord and Savior? Will You come to live in me? That's what salvation is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not about coming to church on Sunday, though as a Christian you should want to. It's not about becoming a Baptist. It's not about anything but turning from your old life and turning to Jesus Christ. And all these other things are going to come naturally. The question is, do you know Jesus? Because again, doing all these other things aren't going to amount to anything when you stand face to face with God one day if you don't know Christ as Savior. Everybody, you bow your heads and